152 yards. Should be just a nice, comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. All right, Kev, we're back after a uh, devastating night last night. And without further ado, I know that I need a little time. Um, this is a safe space. Are there anything you need to get off your chest um, from last night's debacle? The Celtics uh, going down in a game seven after doing all the work to uh, to climb back. I know this is a golf podcast, but like I said, I need a little therapy here. But I will uh, I'll open up the pod to you first. Anything you need to say to uh, to decompress a little bit after what was um, pretty, pretty shitty, pretty shitty game seven for the season. Yeah, very, very disappointing, obviously, last night. Um, I think we said when they were down 3-0, I was not going to allow myself to be, you know, kind of hooked back in for a, until a significant amount of success sort of transpired. And I have to say they had me. I really, I really thought, um, you know, they everything looked good, you think, coming back home, but. I don't know. There's just I feel like there's been so many games like that uh, in these playoffs and even some games in the regular season, just like shockingly, shockingly bad uh, performances. Just um, I don't know. Their their offense just seemed like broken, not not just the missing shots, but it seemed like like they were not getting like like easy shots either. I, I don't know really what was going on. They had the, the Tatum ankle thing was was discouraging from the very beginning, but he seemed, he seemed all right. You know, just, um, I didn't play well, but like, it didn't seem like it was bothering him super, you know, a ton, but, um, I don't know. Yeah. Just, they, they just missed every shot and, and they just see, it just seemed bad, bad from the start. So I don't know. There was a couple of times I went, I went to the bar, watched the first half, uh, which was obviously very bad, but then went home, um, and I had to take the dog out to start. And this was like getting winding down to the end of the third quarter. And Natalie told me that she's like, oh, they're only down seven. So I was like, had a little bit of hope, you know, and turn the TV on and that that evaporated very quickly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I feel the same way as you. I was uh, like, honestly, when they were down 0-3 and doing like the don't let us get one game, I was like, well, if you get one game, then what? You just blow, get the next game and we just, you know, we go home from there or you do like I never expected it to go seven. And even when it did and even after like the Derek White heroics and that crazy, crazy ending, like I just never found myself super confident that this team would put on a good shooting performance when it mattered. And those fears were unfortunately confirmed. And it was um, so it started off like, you know, they, they're behind pretty much the whole game and missing everything. But the whole time I'm like, all right, they've missed everything. And this game is like still in reach. So like maybe this will happen. Like at some point we should we should law of averages here, like progress back to the mean. Like this is not a. 20% shooting team and it just never did. And I don't know. I thought, I thought Tatum looked pretty bad on the ankle. Like it, it was a bad, it looked like a bad role. I don't know how much it affected him, but it certainly stopped him from being the focal point of the offense. And it appears if Tatum is not the focal part of the offense, like the offense just collapses and submarines because nobody else can really do it. And maybe uh, I was talking to um, a buddy of ours about this. Like it just sort of, maybe we've, I think Tatum's awesome. Maybe I've underrated how awesome he is because of what just happened when he wasn't a factor. Like it doesn't look like anybody is even remotely anybody else 
is even remotely close to being like a number one scorer. You know, Jalen Brown obviously had a nightmare game. I don't really know what happens now with that. Like, I know he's up for a huge extension, but like that was not a great showing of what his ceiling could be if he were the focal point of a team. And I know we're, you know, we're talking about one game sample size and a team that was just ice cold shooting against a team that was just red hot shooting the entire time. But, you know, when you're getting outplayed by Caleb Martin for an entire seven game series and you're supposed to be an all NBA player, I don't know what what that is. Yeah. But just like overall, like to get rope back in and then to get let down was like, oh, man, you should have just chopped our heads off with with the sweep and done it that way. Or, you know, get that get that pity gentleman sweep and we'll just, you know, we'll go into the offseason like that. It's almost I like think the, the reason, the main reason I got roped back in is, well, you know, they shot the lights out in game five, five. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then six, not so much, but they were able to grind out that win in, you know, in Philly, I mean, in, uh, in Miami. And so obviously that, like, that was what really made me feel confident is the fact that they go like, all right, like the offense isn't clicking the way that yeah. it, it's just not going to like it did in game five all the time, but for them to still grind out that win. Um, I mean, in dramatic, dramatic fashion, but yes. still, well, they, they I, tried their uh, hardest to lose that. Like there was, there was a big effort by the Celtics to throw that game away, <laughs> and yes, despite all of that effort, still pull it out. Like with the heroics, the emotions of the like the inbound to Marcus Smart and to see that he was going to be like, the one taking oh the shot. <laughs> and I almost very close to going in, and <laughs> it went and in. Tatum, it almost went in. Yeah, Tatum's my, my like hot takes were about to fire. By the way, if Marcus <laughs> Smart had ended the season like that, that would have been just so symbolic. But you're right. I think if if Derek White doesn't get that on that side of the rim, like Tatum might put that back on any other side of the rim. Like he was coming in hot from the other side too. So thank you to Miami for not boxing out, but also like screw Miami for doing that in Game Seven. Yeah, that was that was rough. It was um. Yeah, like I said, I just expect us to hit shots. And despite all of that, like we, we were, you know, down seven at points. And then whenever there was a chance to like cut it to four or five, like it would just be a early shot clock, 30 foot three with no ball movement. And be like, what, what is going on? Yeah, it was a combination of bad offense. And then I felt like Miami just like snuffed out any momentum at all through points of that game too. Like there would be like crowd would be into it. We'd get a stop. Then we would take a stupid three and Miami would make an open three or, you know, uh, you know, do something else to just like quiet down. It was very tough, very tough to see. But I, it's also not tough the next happens. day to see the um, all the talk about like everybody's got the solution in terms of like what to do for the future. Um, it's just like, let it. We're 12 I think hours you're, out. Like, yeah, we're crazy. I think we you're making right these now. decisions like, like based on irrational anger and <laughs> Just give it a little time to marinate and and see. But yeah, I I don't know what the future holds, but yeah, it was tough, obviously. I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see now what happens with Miami and Denver because I I don't know. Denver looks really good. So uh, we'll see. I mean, if if Denver just sweeps them, then maybe not. I kind of thought whatever team was going to win, Celtics or Miami was going to get stomped out in the finals, but I'm like ultra sure that Miami is going to get stomped out in the finals. Like, I just don't, I don't, I mean, I've said this for now, the entire playoffs with them, but this, like, this just can't continue. Like this is, this just can't keep happening. 
So I'm rooting for Denver hard. Um, I just think they've been so overlooked and so disrespected. And I think some of like the narrative around Jokic this year was just like ultra disrespectful to him as a player and ultra disrespectful to the team. So I would love to see him sort of just go on a killing spree in the finals. That would be great. I know I was doing my digging in for my basketball podcast into the advanced stats of <laughs> Jokic versus uh, versus Miami. And he just tears apart Miami and tears apart Bam, like more than basically everybody else in the league. I mean, he kills everybody, but like he is ultra successful against Miami. So I don't know what that holds, but yeah, it was a, it was a cap of a, of a brutal weekend. And I, so I, um, I played golf Sunday, Sunday morning before the, or sorry, Monday morning before the game, I get all my days mixed up, which Tuesday now. So yesterday, yesterday morning played. And I had this, I had this sort of lined up. I had mentioned I was on a golf heater. So I compiled my scores in May going back to before yesterday. And here they are. And this is not to brag, but just to show that I've been playing some decent golf. 72, 74, 81, 83, 80, 79, leading up into yesterday morning where I dropped a sweet 102 at <laughs> Widow's Walk and Situate, which I will now... Like, I don't know if I'll ever go back. The toughest course I've ever played, um, or certainly like in the top two toughest courses that I've ever played by far, um, the most the, the most fun and least fun I've had at the same time. But dude, golf is a weird sport, man. It just, some days, it doesn't matter what your handicap is, what form you're in, you can just get your ass kicked. And I got my ass kicked on that course, led back into the game. Got my ass kicked by the game. All my bets in the Charles Schwab didn't really come through. Got my ass kicked there too. Lost an entry. Had Tommy Fleetwood in that other big money pool. Lost that with Fleetwood missing the cut, who also killed some people in our pool as well. I know my wife is not happy with him either. But man, a loser's weekend for the Boston the Boston kids. And you know we'll we'll get into sort of what lies ahead with this. You know the memorial, but. Yeah, tough, tough weekend wow. for C's, tough weekend for me in general. For is that uh Widow's Walk? Is that situated Rhode Island or Massachusetts? Situate Mass. It's down oh, like Mass, toward, okay. toward the Cape. Nice. Yeah. Honestly, very nice course, but like ultra narrow, uh 144 slope. So like ultra hilly, uh, but firm, fast, and like an inch off the fairway is like deep into the woods. So I uh yeah, I, I didn't hit many fairways, and when I did, the ball just ran through them into the woods too. But yeah, coming out in triple digits, and I'll tell you, I was grinding to try to keep it under a hundred, and just could not do it. And feel feel fortunate that it's not worse. But man, I I, I felt punched. Like after mo- Monday night, the Celtics game ended, I was like, I feel like a boxer who's just been knocked out five times. I was like, I, I've I've won, I've lost, I've lost everything. One nothing. I'm punched drunk. And it was good to get a little a little cleansing reset, um, you know, going into this week where hopefully we can do we can do better. But yeah, but- I um, I played golf on Monday as well. I, I was able to play nine holes in the morning in in Rhode Island uh, at Richmond Country Club. Do you play there? Oh, tough one. Another tough yeah, one. Yeah, that is tough. So, you know, of course, but oof. yeah, very narrow, um, little a little long, not too bad. Um, so I shot a forty five there, but most impressive. Or what I was most impressed with for my game was the putting. So I had no, I had one three putt only on nine holes, which is pretty, pretty solid. The greens are faster, but um, 
I tend to like a little bit faster greens. I just like pay it. I pay attention a little bit more, I think. And I, um, it just keeps me sharper. So, um, so I was happy with that. Still kind of waiting for the rest of the game to, to round out, but, but we're seeing some improvements and still early in the season. So, um, hoping to, hoping to see that continue. So yeah, it was good. Um, but yeah, that was it. Uh, got busy weekend for sure. Um, oh, I played, uh, I played Friday as well at Trollbrook. I don't know if you ever played there I've not. up in uh, Northern Mass. That was a crazy round. So, so yeah, I'll tell you the story. So we got, we played 18 holes there. It was, um, it was, they do eight minute tee times. So it, it, and it's, apparently it's always like, I had only played there once before and it was last summer on like a, probably a Tuesday morning or something. So it was like free and clear. Like we just got right yeah. through. So I didn't know I had this reputation, but anyway, like they, they do eight minute tee time. So it gets backed up, super backed up. Uh, so it took us like oh five hours plus to play. And we started at three oh. 30 in the afternoon because we had oh. a half day at work. Uh, yeah. So it was like getting dark. Um, by the time we got to like the 17th green, but we ended up sticking it out and playing the 18th hole. But anyway, so it was me and uh, two of my buddies from school. Um, so we ended up getting paired with this fourth guy who was like nice enough, uh, nice enough, like cool guy, but he was like sort of uh, pretty loud. Like he was just very like vocal, um, outspoken, which, which was, which was fun to play with. Um, but it's super nice towards us, which is why I was kind of surprised by what happened on the, on the 17th green but anyway so it's like i said it's getting dark and all of a sudden this is like his home course he grew up in tuxbury mass which is the town where the course is and all of a sudden he starts like yelling at the at the ranger he's like this is your fault like eight minute tea times like this is ridiculous how long this is taking so the guy the guy rides his cart over to us and he goes he calls into the clubhouse with the walkie-talkie it's like the super nice cars with the gps and everything and he yeah. goes he goes mike shut down 68 so they shut down his cart like just disabled his cart on the spot oh and my he god had to walk the rest of the round which i've never seen before which like then he's like of course he's like mouthing off back like oh like big deal one hole left i gotta walk the rest of the course and i was you just got like me. yeah <laughs> but i just never seen that before in all, in all my years so I Dude, was how was he playing i was gonna say golf will do it to you and at some point you just reach your breach your breaking point was he struggling yeah no he, he was he was a solid player so on the first or second hole it was got my buddy cody who you played with as well yeah. uh who was in this pool yeah. so he said to him on the second hole he was like let's play uh match straight up for um for like 10 bucks or something like that um and he was good but but cody went one under on the back nine so uh, that's it wasn't, a pretty wasn't solid really super, side. <laughs> it wasn't super close so um yeah but no it was it was a fun day well five hours is draining so, and, yes. and then losing so i'm sure he was losing five hours plus and at some point you just reach that boiling point where it's like enough <laughs> is enough and i gotta get off this course and now it's slow but wow, that's a good. Uh, I can't imagine getting my cart shut down and having to unstrap the bag, carry it the rest of the way. <laughs> like what a hardo move by the course. Like that's yeah, that's... in the dark. But also at the same time, whole... like kind of cool. Yeah, I don't know what that really does, but like also, I mean, also it's just kind of dominance play there, just to show them, you know. <laughs> which which I appreciate. I appreciate. <laughs> Oh, dude, I got, um, I know you had mentioned putting earlier and it's a great, it's a great transition into this past weekend's tournament. Um, you know, we had the Charles Schwab won by my guy, Emiliano Grillo. I call him Grillo. I know his name's Grillo, but I'm going to go Grillo because that's how I refer to him. Um, I know I mentioned this stat before, but the first golfer I ever picked in a survivor pool. So I have a great affinity for him. 
Um, here's my favorite, a couple of my favorite stats of the weekend. Um, uh, he is like in the 170s on the PGA Tour in strokes gain putting. Um, like third this week, of course, because golf is stupid. Uh, you know, on on tough greens, but obviously everybody everybody that's on the PGA Tour is good at putting, just maybe not great. But he's like actually bad at it and comes out and wins. There was an awesome, you know, awesome on the 18th hole. Like he doubles that. The ball lands in a stream. He waits five minutes for it to settle to see if it can be hit out of there. I really enjoy just the the Grio experience uh, leading into a win because I do I do like him a lot. But I um. The storyline that I took, and I guess will be applicable to what we're going to do in the memorial, is Scotty Scheffler. Again, a second place. And I pulled some of these from stuff I was reading today. Since since October of last year, um, has not finished worse than 12th in a golf tournament. Um, but has lost, in his last 16 starts, has lost strokes 9 out of 16 times putting. And has lost strokes in every other category in golf, off the tee, approach, around the green, scrambling, in zero out of 16 tournaments. So there was something funny I read on Twitter that's like, assemble the perfect golfer. And somebody, you know, somebody put their real, like, um, you know, off the tee, Rory, approach shots, Morikawa, this guy putting. And somebody else was like, how about this? Like, everything else besides putting, Scotty Scheffler, and then just putting anybody else besides Scotty Scheffler. And it was another tournament where it's not even like, not even like hard putts, but just like these five, six feet and in where Scotty just looks like ultra shaky for the first time. And despite that is still just cranking out second plate finishes, like no issue. Yeah. It's been really weird. And I know like he's going to be one of the favorites going into the Memorial, but just like a weird sort of stretch for him where somebody's so damn good at everything else and also so damn good at putting historically too, just sort of has developed like an ultra slump for, for a bunch of starts here. I don't really know what to make of that or how to, how to wait it, wait for it to like law of averages out. But like, you know, what do you think about that short-term, long-term, like what's the concern? Like, is there a concern? But it's been weird to see Scotty do something like this, like so easy and struggle so hard. Yeah. So I know um, in the last two consecutive tournaments, I believe he's gained 15 strokes from T to green uh, back to back. It's wild. Which is, which is, uh, I believe Grio gains like some, uh, like 11, maybe not some, you know, he, he gained four strokes better than him T to green. Yeah. Um, and then lost four and a half putting. Like it's just, the, 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 the like the worst putter in yeah, the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like he, the 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 run that he is on, and it's it's for a significant amount of time, as you mentioned, like the last eighteen months or something like that of Tita Green is like the closest we thing we've seen to Tiger since Tiger, obviously. But um, yeah, uh, amazing, amazing stretch by him, and and still like he's putting so poorly, and like one shot from a playoff, like he he just he just needs to putt average or like slightly worse than average to the field and he will win the tournament basically is is what it's come down to um and i think it depends on on what you're playing him in right like there's there's a, a variety of different ways obviously to to quote unquote gamble like in the golf industry right there's there's survivor pools which like is what we do here for this podcast which like scotty chef was like there's no safer play in my opinion, honestly like here if i had to gun to my head pick one guy yeah. 
yeah to make a cut he he's he's my guy like he just will not disappoint you um in terms of like a, a solid finish if that makes sense and like in then any course a, in any any style any course any length any challenge like he just he does it all it's wild yeah yeah and then then there's the the betting perspective which like he's going to be deservedly so the top favorite almost at every single course like sub 10 to 1 which i i, I just Again, you can decide for yourself if you're going to play that number. I, I don't personally think it's worth it to play that low of a number on outrights um, just because I don't think you ever really are going to make your money back or, or, or profit doing that. Um, and then there's the DFS play, which kind of he's going to be the top price guy as well. But then you're mixing it in with ownership as well, right? Like how many other guys at that whatever 10K price you know, uh, that, he's, that he's drawing, which again, he deservedly so. But again, like he it, it it depends on what other guys are doing and, and that's sort of the interesting play is like to look at these like top four or five guys you have scotty rom Cantlay, xander and then rory kind of lists out there at like number Simple. number five like kind of yeah kind of looking outside looking in uh i think does really sell as well um but i mean and that's another conversation also but yeah it's just it, it it's it's so interesting to see these guys week to week and and how much emphasis do you put on like one week bad result or one week good result and I, we've seen it uh a couple times now with recent winners we saw jason day like super favorite at the wells fargo uh disappoints everybody then comes back wins the next uh, at byron nelson right and then um yeah. i'm blanking on the other there, there's no oh uh wyndham clark i believe got yeah. the was super yeah. favorite the, the week before he yeah. won Misses the cut, I think, and then comes made, back and wins. Made the cut with like a 10-foot. That was the week he made the cut with like a 15-footer, never contends, but that was a super yeah. short. Remember that tournament? Super short field. He's like the tourney favorite. And then yes. yeah, wins the next week at a designated event. So him. I think like you're seeing sometimes it's super easy to overreact to like when a guy burns you one week. But I think if you're seeing like consistent, strong – numbers and the guys trending in the right direction over a long period of time that needs to be weighed more than just like a, a single poor result but it's hard especially for the survivor pool if the guy screws you and knocks you out it's hard not to forget that uh you'll remember it forever believe me yeah. like i don't know all the golfers that have have like helped me um and because they're you know you you obviously make you your guy makes more cuts than they'll miss if you piss or miss pissing the good guys miss uh you know hitting with the good guys but when one of the studs especially screws you, like it will stick with you forever. Uh, like the day, the time, like watching that, I, I know, you know, this week, this week it was Fleetwood for me and he needed one birdie for like seven straight holes and watching him just miss birdie putt after birdie putt after birdie putt. Like I will, I will remember exactly where I was. And then I like coming down the 18th, I'm, I'm, you know, now I'm getting alerts from like the Tommy Fleetwood Twitter, like follow account, like follows all of his shots. Cause it's just like 15 seconds faster than the shot tracker that I'm following religiously to, you know, he's in a bunker on the 18th. And now I'm just like hoping against hope that he pulls out from a bunker, like around the green to do it. There's nothing quite like it, but now like, you know, Fleetwood's been my guy for a long time. I like him, but now like it will always be a sour taste in my mouth for him, you know, him screwing me this week um, in a pretty big money pool. Um, but yeah, like there are always safe choices. And and yeah, like you said, it 
it's it's never Scotty's never going to screw you just by having um you know a high floor. It's always going to have that. Like I just don't see a scenario where he's going to fall fall out, miss a cut, blow up. But you're only really going to make money on Scotty if he if he wins the tournament because of his pricing every week. So it's tough to see. Um, and maybe he'll have some more luck this week, but you know, he wasn't, you know, based on the media coverage this week, you know, I don't think he was the pre-tournament favorite somehow at the Charles Schwab. I thought it was Michael Block. Um, and I, I got a, I got some words I need to say on this dude. Um, you know, obviously got the most or <laughs> near the most like pre-tournament coverage was on every interview. I don't remember if by the last podcast we recorded, he had made his stupid ass Rory comment about, all right, well, I'll just read. I don't think, I don't think so. He basically yeah. said, if if I drove it like Rory with that length, like the rest of my game is so good that I would be one of the best players in the world. And it's not just like that statement, but just like the arrogance with which he uttered those words. And like, I can break that down in so many ways. Like, first of all, if I was 6'10 and had a jump shot, probably wouldn't be doing this podcast right now. If I had Rory McIlroy's distance, I probably would be playing better golf than I am right now. Like if my aunt had different like parts, she might be my uncle. Like if I had two notes, like those like ifs to me are just like the stupidest like argument you can make. Like, yeah, if I was, I'm going to do a bunch more. Like if I could throw the ball like Tom Brady, I'd probably be in the NFL. Like that's, that's not, you don't just say stuff like, yeah, you know, if I had Rory McIlroy's distance, that's basically saying, Yes, if I was the best driver of the golf ball that's maybe ever lived, I would be among the world's greatest. Like that that's hard-hitting analysis, but great job. Um, and then plays in a tournament where you don't need to be long to compete. Like nobody's averaging over 280. Everybody's pretty much playing less than driver on every hole. And this dude goes out and shoots an 81 and a 74 and sat in dead ass last place on both days finishes dead ass last place by four shots at that point. And I just, I want no more. I know he's going to play in a couple other tournaments. I don't want to hear the name Michael. I don't want to hear the name block. I don't want to hear them together. I don't want to hear about building blocks, Lego blocks. It's over. I was able to cash a very, a very easy. I, I know I mentioned this getting only negative 250 on him to miss this cut was guaranteed money. I've never played more money on odds that steep in my entire life. It was never in trouble. I know he went bunker to bunker on a few holes. I know on like the second hole, he had like 40 yards to the green and bladed a sandwich like over the green. It was great to see. I hated to root against him, but I found myself like rooting against him strictly for that one arrogant ass statement. Like it's just, that was so, so repulsive. It was infuriating. (laughs) I want him out. He's got to be gone now. I want him out. Yeah, we um, – it was unfortunate to see. I mean, he it, – it's just the difference between like – and we said – we spoke about this previously, but um, to for him to do that many interviews, like like the story – the story was great. And, and he deserved – in my opinion – like I, we, we said this about the, the coverage in the PGA Championship. I, I don't think the coverage on the golf course – was overdone like he he got as much tv time and the story was was cool enough that i think it warranted the coverage it was all the interviews after the tournament was over and and the three days leading up to the to the charles schwab that was just too much and that guy's probably not never done an interview like that in his life like he's bound to say something stupid but yeah he 
I, I don't think the you said it right about the, the arrogance and the tone of his voice. I saw something on Twitter that was like, you mean to tell me the guy that wears the raw hat consistently at every uh tournament is yeah. kind of a douche? And it's yeah. like, yeah, I guess that like yeah. kind of makes sense. Like a Southern California like golf pro may be arrogant. Like, wow, this is stunning right. breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, but it's the kind of thing where like Okay, when you're at the PGA, obviously it, it's all about expectations versus results. Like that guy goes into that tournament. I mean, realistically, the PGA Championship. Like, like what are his expectations? Nobody's heard of the guy in in in, in their lives, right? Like, Zero. no one's asking him anything, Zero. right? Yeah. So everything is a positive, and then to have like obviously, you know, he's got he's got some game, obviously, like to play that well at that course, like you know. But he's just riding the success of the crowd, and there is not one single person rooting against him, and that at that tournament or watching on TV and that kind of like confidence and momentum is just amazing to get everything's just, just bonus. Right. And now to have made all these comments and now come into this next tournament with a weaker field, easier course, don't need as much length, which he did said self-admittedly he does not have. And he just blew that place up. Like the, to have those kinds of expectations, you know, he heard the comments, you know, on Twitter, whatever it was, just people would be like, all right, like you, you got to show up now. Yeah, this like, ultra elite every, short game, like, we'll yeah. And like else every time he hits a bad shot, he's just like, oh man, like, I, I don't know. Like it just had to, the, the pressure had to be compounded. So I, I felt for him a little bit in that aspect. Like it just, he seemed to be handling it okay, like on the course, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. But same, so I was the same as you. I, I played him to lose and, every possible which way yeah. every matchup i could find and easy um, money easy yeah it worked out worked out well and i will say i don't <laughs> think it's entirely his fault like i do think it's more golf media's media's fault like first off i don't there's like did brooks kepka win that tournament like is anybody talking <laughs> about that like is i know i mentioned this last time too and i'm still harping on it like how how was that not the number one story and michael block number two but then to see him sign with like WMG or WME, like the Serena Williams, like agency and get like all these things. And then you're getting golf writers and like pundits talking about like, you know, should he be invited to the masters? Who's going to play him in a movie? Like all this stuff. I'm like, all right. like, and then, like I said, I, I do think, especially in like the minds of golfers, like the, the switch flipped as soon as that Rory comment was made, anybody who played golf was like, dude, no. Like, just no, like you're, you may be very good at all. Not let's just, let's assume that the weakness in his game is, is driving and say that he's great at everything else. There is a difference between his great, which is awesome. He, he wins all these tournaments. He's played in like 30 PGA events. He's obviously got incredible game everywhere else, except for driving. That's fine. The elites of the elites are like in a different planet from his great. Like all of those things that he said he'd be world-class at or one of the best players in the world, that is just a factually incorrect statement. Like they're better at all of those things too. And there are a lot of freaking guys that are better at all those things too. Like hundreds of guys. Like there's a whole tour in Europe that has all these guys that are better than him at all those things too. It just, it rubbed me the wrong way so bad that like that is so presumptuous after like one non miscut in like 30 PGA events to say yeah. something like that. Cause you should just know better. You should know better being that good that these guys are on a different planet. It's just, it's, it's so. Right. And all he had to say, that's all he had to say too. It's just like, like, listen, like this is, 
I'm super thankful for this opportunity and, and I'm yeah. playing some great, I'm playing some great golf, but those guys are just better, like better. And it's not about like, just, just you know, like kind of brush yeah. it off like that. But, and you also have to know like these media got like, when you get in interviews like that, they are going to try to bait you into saying stupid stuff like that, like that. And I think, I guess I'm sure it takes practice and it's a skill to, to give any kind of like intelligible answer that, doesn't that is honest but doesn't make you look like an asshole so i'm sure it's easier said than done but you just can't take that bait and, and go say something like that. that i'm even fine like i have no issue with the assholes in sports you know me i like i almost embrace the bad guys sometimes you can even say arrogant stuff but just don't say stuff that just like isn't true come out and say like you know I, I want to win this tournament. Like, I think I'm in a great run of form. Like I've been playing good golf. I think I can win. And even if he said, I think I can win, I think people would turn off, but I'd be like, all right, you know what? I get that. Like, who doesn't think, who doesn't come to a tournament to win? Or maybe he does think he's in great enough form to win. He obviously has some game. Like, all right, I can see that a little bit, but just like, it's almost like to me, like a slap in the face to like the skill of these, of these top, top guys. And I would also say like, if you don't, Anybody who plays golf or doesn't play golf, like you have to just go to a professional golf tournament and just watch these guys hit the freaking golf ball. It's just like, it is not only different than anything you've ever seen, but it's just like, it's not on a different planet. It's on a different planet. Like it's not, I know I've used this comp before, but you, you go to the NBA, you watch the NBA and you know, you can't do that. I think sometimes you watch on TV and you say, because you probably everybody who plays golf has hit like a spectacular shot, like, uh, you know, like that looks possible or like, you know, I could do that too. Or I, maybe, you know, like I could par a hole just like John Rom could par a hole. But it's just like, you, you just can't, you just can't. These guys are like superheroes with this club. It's just, it's just different. And he, you know, it's like a, it's like a, a great D1 basketball player who ended his career after college will dominate every YMCA game he'll ever be in. And then we'll get just stomped out at the NBA level. It's the same comp for me. And I just think people need to be real. He in particular needs to be realistic about stupid shit like that that comes out of his mouth. If he continues to get the microphone in his face, which for the love of God, like I know he's got a couple of tournaments left in this like exemption spree that he was given for, you know, four good rounds, but He's got to tighten it up. Got to tighten it up. Yeah, just leave him alone. Let him let him see see if he can, you know, produce some good results on the golf course. And and I hope he does. Uh, but he doesn't need there doesn't need to be any more. He doesn't need this the focal point of the of the media coverage anymore. Ever ever again. <laughs> ever again. All right. Let's let's get into the real, the real golfers here, as we'll call him against this, you know, this Fugazi club pro from from wherever in Southern Cal. We got we got a great tournament this week, uh, a traditional the memorial tournament hosted by Jack Nicholas. It's Jack Nicholas's tournament. It's been at Muirfield Village uh, in Dublin, Ohio, for a long time. Horse is seventy five hundred yards, and I'll say like the general theme. And I know Jack Nicholas has sort of done this in a bunch of interviews that he's given about why the course is shaped like it is, why the tournament is like it's another sort of challenge for the players. And I know he's somebody who va- values. Um, you know, a course that's going to test the players, test all the skills. And this course is going to do it again, just like the PGA did. Um, very difficult. And just a few numbers I'll throw out, like right off the gate, like 68 bunkers, water and play on 13 holes. Um, the toughest or among the toughest fair, uh, um, sorry, greenside bunkers on tour. 
uh, in the bottom five in scrambling percentage on tours. And here's what we're sort of going to be theming on. And I'm, I'm sure you're going to say the same thing. Like the only thing that correlates to winning at this course or correlates to winning like exponentially more than every other stat is, is the approach game uh, like, like fairway to, to green. Um, the rough is super punishing, super thick, but the fairways are pretty wide. Um, so they're going to be, they're going to be shots into some tiny, super fast greens, but every winner has sort of gained more shots on, you know, shots gained approach than everybody else. And that's, what's correlated into winning, but yeah, I'm excited for this designated event, big fields, big money, you know, the Jack Nicholas tournament with, I believe the red, the red sweater, right. Is the prize. If I remember correctly here. Um, and yeah, I'm thrilled. So are you feeling the same way about this? Some excitement level here? Like I got it back after a little, uh, you know, after a little slump this weekend. Yeah. The, the elevated, uh, field always helps obviously. And, um, yeah, so we saw, this is a great, great course. We saw, uh, I believe it got renovated two years ago. So we've seen the past two years played on like the newly renovated course. So it was, uh, the year of, I believe it was 2020, they actually played back-to-back events here. There was like, a, which is the first, I've n- never seen happen before, but they played, uh, it was called like the Workday Charity Event or something. And then they played the Memorial the following week after, same um, same course. And uh, Morikawa won the, the charity event. I don't remember. Uh, the, the next, the Memorial event might've been the year that Rom had to withdraw because of COVID. Cause he, yeah, that sounds about right. Cantley's win, right. And then yeah. Cantley won. Yeah. So, um, so that was crazy. And then, and then I think that was also the time when Bryson was coming out with all of his videos of like hitting the ball super far. So I think I heard someone made this point today, but um, they were like, you know, basically saying, I wonder if Jack just got like super nervous that he was going to like the, the style of game that was sort of like taking over golf. And and he just needed, you as you mentioned, he wants the course to play tough. Um, so basically the um, they kind of, change the fairways to where the, the further you hit the ball down the hole, the, the narrower the fairways become kind of eliminating this like sort of bomb and gouge method that, that Bry, uh, Bryson like popularized. But um, yeah, so, so interesting to see um, kind of who, who fits the course. Well, I think there's some decent correlation to um, who played well before the renovation. It seems to be the same sort of players that are playing well post renovation. Um but yeah, it should be a fun week. We'll see. I don't, um, as I mentioned before, we're getting down. I mentioned to you texting earlier today, but we're getting sort of down to the wire here. End of the season. I think we're so, less than 10 events left to go in the regular season. So if you're still alive in any, uh, survivor pools or anything like that, it's kind of getting a little slim pickings, but thankfully we do have the the elevated field to kind of, to pick from this week. So. Yeah, I was stunned looking at the field. Like, obviously, we got all the big names, but I was stunned to see some of these prices like right off the bat. And I know you alluded to this earlier, but like not seeing Rory McElroy in the big three was a big shocker to me. And and like, you know, I, I again, don't think I'm going to bet him this week just because I'm not confident in his game. But it was sort of jarring to see him outside, um, you know, the Scheffler Rom um, orbit of the of the elites. Um, but to see him behind Cantlay and, and at the same price as Shoffley was was a little jarring. It's jarring to see Spieth where he is. Yeah, there were a few guys where I was really I was I was weird to see them priced so low, um, considering their stature in the game. And other guys where I was sort of surprised to see them priced so high. Like I'm looking at Tyrrell Hatton, um, priced above a lot of guys. I'm not sure that is something that I would have expected if you would ask me to sort of blind guess what, what the odds were going to be. Um, 
but yeah, exciting stuff. Like I'm when I'm when I'm picking this week and who I'm going to be focusing on and who I like. Like I think, um, like the first thing I, I these these greens are tiny, and scrambling percentage is very low, and they're also ultra fast. But I, and and again, I know we we're sort of calling back a lot of things that have happened in this podcast. But you were talking about being more comfortable on on like super fast greens, and I almost feel like and again the stats show, especially at this course, like it neutralizes the putting a little bit. And, and I know like personally, and, and I, I'm not pulling a Michael block here and comparing myself to any professional golfer, but I know on fast greens, my stroke is shorter and therefore it has less time to be messed up, which it is. So the shorter I could take my shot, the, the less time I have to screw up my stroke. I don't know if that's really a thing that happens in real life here, but maybe that's, that's what neutralizes maybe some of the bad putting, um, so I'm not really looking at that as like a stat to correlate. I just don't want like the worst putters on earth in my lineups this week. Um, but I do want ball strikers. And I'm also not really super partial to bombers this week either, again, because it's more about hitting the fairways. Um, I, I know that the rough has sort of uh, the rough playing from 100 yards or in in the rough is like one of the lowest proximity to the holes of any tournament stop this year. And I also know on par fives, like the the chance to get to a par five and two from the rough is like near zero. And that correlates again to scoring as well. So I want dudes are going to hit fairways and have good shots at hitting greens, even though they're not going to hit every single one. Um, so when I'm sort of looking at the, the guys that I'm focusing on, I got I got a few like plays. Um, and, and the first one I'm going to say is ultra square. And I know that off the bat, um, but it's Morikawa. And he's at 22 to one to, to win this tournament has, has won on this course before, as you said, and it, it just comes down to if my theory for the week, which it's going to be is just hitting fairways and hitting greens and sort of hoping that the putting luck is, is what it's going to be. Like that's the guy I sort of want to do it. And, and I watched him this past weekend at the Charles Schwab came out poorly, but then, you know, was, was back to vintage Morikawa, I'd say in round two, to, to make the cut and go very low and uh, sort of flashed around the weekend a little bit, but didn't really, you know, didn't really end up contending, but at least the ball striking looked a little more solid. Um, but I know he's a super chalk play this week, but I just, I like it. And I like it, you know, specifically like more than I like Tyrrell Hatton more than I like Victor Hovland, just more than I like a couple guys above him, even Shafle, frankly, like I just, I like the fit better than those guys. So if I think this is value, which I do, I'm going to go square and go with him as sort of my, my best, you know, to win the tournament play, I think. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you said that because I was specifically going to ask you about, um, Morikawa. I've actually heard, as you mentioned, he, he will be chalky this week, but I've also heard some some guys who are on the other side that super um, against playing him this week or fading him this week, um, just because of like the, I don't know, a couple, one guy I was listening to was at the the PGA championship and just said, not super impressed with the approach play in terms of like what I, we normally see from him. I agree. Um, yeah. I agree. Like he said, it looked kind of wipey was the word he used. Um, but no, I, um, he, he's an interesting one. He continues he's the best ball striker in the world. So that that's got to instill some confidence in you, but he um, it's been what now two, two years since he's won, right. It's just been such yeah. a, such a long time. I think some of the, the doubts are, are not um, 
unreasonable or, or unfounded. I just, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm interested. I hope, I hope that he's able to, to regain form and get another win here. He had the, what was it? The first tournament of the year, he had the big lead, right? Going into yeah. Sunday and then kind of blew yep. that away. And I think he's had a couple of chances here where he could have two wins this season already. And we wouldn't be having any of these conversations, but to come out in his early in his career with the start that he had, I just wonder if it's kind of weighing on him mentally, sort of his start to this season. And as it's sort of how he's been playing, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I agree with every every hole in the Morikawa argument. I totally agree with. And I've seen and we've both seen over the last few weeks. I'm just basing it on like literally just a couple of good days that I happen to follow and watch. Like I said, Friday, I think I watched every single shot that he hit because I needed him to I needed him to come through when he did. And it just looked more, it looked more normal. And I can't put a number to that. I can't put, I can't back that up with anything other than just how it made me feel. Like it, it made me feel like I was watching not as sharp as like the major winning Morikawa, but at least the area that he's supposed to be elite at, he was elite at again, just for a little bit. So if we're turning a corner, this is going to be a week where you can get him at a good price and like I said, I know it's super chalky, but I just have I have a feeling inside me. This is finally the week that he gets off the schneid and, and wins again. But everything that every every doubter is saying is true and is backed up by more evidence than I'm using to support him. So I understand all of that. Yeah, I think um, I think Colin in that way is a little bit in the same vein as sort of like a Justin Thomas. Even Justin yeah. Thomas, though, more so like. Um, yeah more so in the other direction where people are so off him. And, and again, he struggled, like he he's deserves all the sort of criticism he's gotten at his start to this year. We would have hoped for obviously a lot more, but he can continues to garner respect and, you know, he's a major winner. So obviously he's, he's an elite player, but um, I don't know if you can really put him up in that elite category anymore, but I think if there's a spot where you, he's going to kind of turn around his season, this course seems to, seems to fit him super well. So he's a guy I'm kind of interested in looking at. Um, I also really like Corey Connors. So I heard something today where the, the rough, obviously you mentioned very penal, but it gets worse as you get further away from the fairway. So the more you're missing fairways, the, the worse it's going to be for you. And Connors just doesn't like he, um, He's either in the fairway or, or like keeping it inside the, the fairway bunkers, basically. So um, I like that from him. And then I like Siwoo as well. I think um, yeah. he's a little more streaky. So you're obviously you're hoping for the good version of Siwoo Kim. But um, when he's when he's on and, and has his best game, he um, he is super strong as well. So there's a couple other guys I like a little bit further down the board. Yeah, I'm liking um I, I again after Morikawa, I sort of don't like anybody else like as a favorite. Like I'm sort of delving into the value in the middle of the board. I I have serious doubts. I don't, you know what? I'm gonna wait a second after I give my picks. But so I like I like Sahit the Gala. Um again, he's had great history here. He, he he came very close to winning last year, sort of is due for a win a little bit. I get concerned about his T2 his game off the tee but everything else has been pretty phenomenal he's been in a good run of form and then here are some boring ass names <laughs> and again like not no not much excitement coming up here adam scott at 45 to 1 i like a lot and i also like him at 4 to 1 actually i like him more at 4 to 1 to top 10 and then shane lowry at 4 to 1 to top 10 as well i don't like him to win the tournament um but just like a silky smooth bunker player and that's going to be a big factor against 68 bunkers on the course, the toughest greenside bunkers in uh, basically on the tour. 
Um, so I like him to sort of hang around and an, another sort of accurate ball striker that just doesn't sometimes just doesn't make enough birdies to contend, but I like that. Um, but I know those aren't like the sexiest name. Um, but I have another pick that is sort of in the fade category and the, uh, you know, I have a bunch of favorites that I want to fade, but the one that I'm actually going to fade for value is Cam Young at just under three to one to miss the cut this week. Um, and I just don't think this really plays to what his strengths are, which is like his immense like power off the tee. Like, and, and again, when he misses to your point, like he misses pretty damn big and in the way it should be, like you said it, the worse you miss, the worse it gets. And from there, I just, I just don't like where that might go. Um, but I do like, I'm looking at the board and like the top of the board, I just, I think I can pick apart all of it. Like, I don't know who's going to win this tournament for the first time in a while. Like I don't have like a gun to my head, like odds aside, like who's going to come out victorious. Cause I think it, there, there are holes everywhere on the board. Like Scotty's, I'm just go down the board. Like Scotty's putting John Rahm is coming off like two shit tournaments in a row. Cantlay never really wins unless John Rahm gets COVID. Shoffle just had a big disappointing PGA. Rory's struggles are very well documented. Victor Hovland's bunker play is quite poor, even though his short game is very improved. Like his bunker play is quite poor. Tyrrell Hatton, again, just like, I, I don't believe that. And then from there, you're in like, you're, now you're in like sort of the middle class of the tournament. Who do you think is going to win this tournament odds aside? Like one player, again, just all, all even money. I, I, if I had to pick one guy, uh, odds thrown out, I would go with Cantlay for this reason, just because he, I think he's the perfect combination of course history, which I don't typically weigh that much on, but, uh, and then course fit. So the different course fit being like, you know, what, what stats has he done well? or has he performed well at this year? Uh, and what stats would you say you would need in order to perform well at this course, basically, right? So obviously with course history, if you're only looking at this course in particular, we only have two years of history to go back on. Um, but I think he, he just has um, that kind of game that that fits this course perfectly. He He's very good um, at, at – pretty much every skill he's not the best at anything but but very good at everything and he um i think that if it were not for scheffler and rom obviously have been having two yeah. <laughs> rom in particular have been the the best one of the best seasons that we've seen in recent memory uh we'd be talking about patrick cantley's name a lot more than we have been uh this year i think he gets a few, a few wins at least um so he's sort of the guy who's like kind of flying under the radar for me a little bit. I think, you know, he'll, he'll be popular um, just being the talent that he is and that high up on the odds board, but um, he would be my, my number one play. What about you? Yeah, I don't know. Um, but here, here's the name that I'm looking at and I'm gravitating toward. And I say this with no confidence. And again, with like less, I'm saying this is, this may go one, this, this whole week may go one of two ways. Cause I'm, I feel like I'm saying a lot where the, the evidence against what I'm saying is way stronger than what I'm, what I'm using to support. Um, and especially in my line of work, this is not a, a position I feel great about like using no evidence, but for some reason, I like Rory McElroy this week. And again, like why, I don't know why, like it doesn't, doesn't make sense but I'm just sitting there looking at him as like the fifth, you know, the fifth favorite 
and I've never seen him before. And, I, and again, I'm not betting him at that number because, again, I just don't have that much confidence. But something is pulling me in his his direction where I feel like, and, and again, because, because he is who he is, he's been on like every marquee group and every featured group and is always on the camera. And his short game has saved him some from like some really embarrassing performances. Um, and he came on strong at the PGA doing his usual thing. And I'm sure we're going to sit here next week and be like, oh, my God, he shot a 76, you know, on Thursday, played himself out of it, backdoor to top five, like ho-hum, same thing. But, like, his short game has been really, really, really good. And, again, saved him from some missed cuts, saved him from some more embarrassment than he's had. And if the putting doesn't matter, which, again, I'm just discounting it, like give me sort of his game out of thick rough. Like I sort of like him out. If he's going to miss fairways, he's going to miss them longer than everybody else. And he does play well, like out of the rough and saving himself in those situations. And something is just drawing me. Like I'm just looking at that name and it's just drawing me to it. Um, But I will also add this. Like, I do think this is a great DraftKings week to get some very undervalued, like boring ball strikers. And just like a few in that category, like Russell Henley, like ultra boring everywhere else. But this sort of fits him as just like a fairway hitter and a green hitter, like those types of guys, like Harris English, my man, Emiliano Grillo, like again, just like ball strikers that are going to be underpriced and don't really have a shot at winning the tournament, but are going to be like, like underpriced in, in DraftKings and maybe get some good value there. Tom Hoagie another one, um, Adam Svensson, another one, um, Eric Cole. I know we've mentioned a lot as well. Here's another one that another guy that I've mentioned, um, a few weeks uh, ago when he first came over to the States, Ryan Fox has been on a heater the last couple of weeks, earned his, uh, tour member, special exemption to the tour. Um, but, but this is not going to be like a course that can be overpowered because of how punishing it is. So it sort of brings the field back a little bit. And these are all great iron players that I'm naming and that are going to be, like I said, undervalued. So I do see like in my DraftKings lineup this week, I certainly do see like all my prices being like 8,000 ish and like seven, you know, like up in the high sevens with like no studs. Like I think this is a, a middle-class week versus like sort of a studs and duds week, which is always super fun. Like you just get some cool names in there where you can see where, you know, maybe they do one thing elite and that's why they never contend. But like this week, sort of only one thing correlates to success and it is like just approach play. So kind of fun, kind of fun. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And I think the, I think the score, the winning score is going to play out very similar to what we saw at the PGA's championship. I think it's going to be that same type of like low teens winning number. I think we saw Horschel win last year. I think it was minus 13 was the winning score. Um, so you're looking for those similar type guys who the same thing, like you're not having to make a ton of birdies. And I think this is a spot or those t- kinds of tournaments are spots where those guys that you do, who are great ball strikers, but you do habitually find them down the odds board, like at high numbers, just because they, they, they're grinders, right? Like they can't, they don't have the complete all around game, but um but but the the talent's there and they can show up if if the right parts of their game are clicking. I think I think this is a week where a lot of those guys can can sort of be live, certainly to make a cut and and if not the the some of them have ceilings that are a little bit higher than that as well. Um, there's a bunch of guys like like you mentioned. I, I think even some guys in like the six high six k range to mid to mid sixes are um, 
have some value as well. I really like like got like Matt Wallace, especially on on tough courses. Yeah. He's a guy I always like to play. Um, Akshay has been playing super well. I think he'll he'll be a little bit more popular just because of the the run that he's had recently, and he's got the the special temporary um, status now, so people kind of know a little bit more about him. But Austin Ekro is another really talented guy who's way down there, yeah. and then Mackenzie Hughes, same thing. Um, these guys all just have like a similar type like ball striking game where um, I, I think they have can can sort of get hot and and have a good week here. So. Um, these are all guys, by the way, like if, if anybody could say the statement that Michael Block said, if I just had more length, like I'd be one of the best players in the world. Like some of these guys that, that we're naming, like actually sort of fit that category. But like I said, like you have a massive hole in your game. You just don't, you don't win. And these guys obviously don't, but would not say something that's stupid. But these guys are like elite approach players. Um, And, and that, that, that doesn't really carry you through an entire tournament to win. Um, but like I said, if there's going to be a tournament where just that particular stat versus the field correlates to success, like it is this one. So it's, it's just, yeah, like I said, it's, it's just sort of weird, fun, but fun, fun to, to play some different names, um, when everybody can be brought into play. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good stuff. That's about all I got. I don't know. You got anything else? No, I don't. I'm really excited for this. Like I said, I, I, you know, I have a soft spot for like Jack Nicholas tournaments. Like it is. There's going to be some fun like shots out there. Like it's a, it's an artist course. Like he, he wants the course to be how, you know, what he thinks golf should be. And, you know, you touched on it earlier, but he doesn't want like dudes just cheating the game and just like plowing it up there and playing like short wedges. That's why everything's tough. Everything's fast. Everything's firm. Like the rough is super punishing. And the more you miss and the worse you hit your shot, like the more you get punished. And it's certainly applicable here. And there's going to be some volatility involved. Like 13 holes have water. All this rough is nuts. Like you, you basically don't hit greens if you drive it in the rough. So there's going to be some interesting stuff going on. And, I, and yeah, I'm excited to, uh, I'm excited to do it. I got, I got nothing else. I'll just, I'll end with this. You got a, uh, you got a big fade for the week. Like you got a favorite that you won't be on in any capacity looking at like maybe the top 10, 15 guys. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. Ready again. to jump back on speed? Like you- yeah, that's uh, speed. Speed is the one name I was just staring at blankly in the face. But I think, I think again, this is another week. Like for some reason, like you said, this week, like with little to no evidence in the recent stretch. I mean, speed has been having a decent season, but uh, like he, the, I think of three big names, right? Like R- Rory, Speed, JT, right? Like yeah. those three guys. I've, I have the been form arrow pretty is much down. Like, yeah. yeah. And I've been fading pretty much this whole year uh, and and picking the right spots here and there. But um, I don't know, like I'm the same as you for some reason. I feel like like these guys are going to sort of make a comeback um, this fade week. The faders. Fade the fades this fade, week. The, like, what's fade the... the fades. But yeah, I don't. So I don't really have uh, I don't really have one up towards the top. If I had to pick one like way up, I think I would probably go. Yeah, I think I'm I'm with you on Hatton. I just don't I I think I, I he's been having a great season, but I think he's getting sort of priced up there with some of the big boys. And I, I don't know if he's if he's quite that level. I, I like him as a player. I love the emotion. I love how angry he gets on the course, but yep. um I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's quite that talent level yet. So I guess he would be my fate if I had to pick one. Love it, dude. I'm into that. I'm into that. I totally agree. Um 
I got nothing else. This was a good, good little quick hitter. We'll get this out, you know, for, for Wednesday to give everybody a day. Um, and yeah, man, that's, that's it. That's it for me. So we're going to get golf clapped out here. All right.